Hey folks, welcome to Narratives. Narratives is a podcast exploring the ways in which the world is better than in the past, the ways it is worse, and the paths towards a better, more definite vision of the future. I'm your host, Will Jarvis, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. You can find show notes, transcripts, and videos at narrativespodcast.com. Well, Jeff, how are you doing today? Still alive, man. Um, I, you know, I used to say uh, prior to the pandemic um, that I was um, either upright and breathing or vertical and ventilated. And, you know, since the pandemic hit, those things just aren't as cool to say. So I say, you know, I'm still alive. Yeah, we'll go we'll go with that. I love that. I love that. Well, Jeff, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I know you've been quite busy lately. You just raised a big round, a lot going on. Very exciting. Um, do you mind giving us just kind of a, a brief bio and some of the big ideas you're interested in? Yeah, brief bio. Um, sixth generation Texan, grew up on a farm, um, got out of there uh, fairly quick and, um, you know, went through a career in Silicon Valley. Uh, and then went into academia, became a professor in environmental nice. science. And then what really changed my life was one day I got an idea that I wanted to live in a 33 square foot trash can uh, for that. a year to uh, sort of consume 1% the energy and water and live in 1% the volume. And then that led to uh, me leaving academia uh, running a startup that was a housing prefab startup, um, and then now running uh, Jupe. I love that. I, and and how did you first get interested in kind of like uh, you know this aspect of like habitats for humans and you know how it could be different in the future? Yeah the the the, the first time um, that I, I I probably thought about this was during my uh, postdoc, which was based in, in Boston at the um, Harvard School of Public Health. I spent time in West Africa, oh, wow. um, in Ghana, and we were sort of start studying in uh, the, the the poorest areas of Accra, um, exposure to air quality, uh, or or exposure to uh, lack of air quality, um, folks stirring over these big pots all day while oh, they God, were cooking yeah. with wood or coal. And just got, um, you know, got uh, to see firsthand, um, you know, some of the, the, the way living conditions were outside of uh, the U.S. Again, thinking about it then, went all the way through to really, you know, these are the kind of things you think about when you're lying in a dumpster, uh, staring up at the stars at night, uh, that, hey, housing's kind of fucked, can you do something about it? And, and really, you know, even going back to like, just thinking about Maslow's pyramid, right? If people still even look at boomer yeah. things like this, um, <laughs> If you're taking food, clothing, and shelter, right, food is a distribution problem. There's a right. lot of really, uh, let's just say, um, folks with a healthy amount of uh, gravitational pull of yeah. mass uh, in Texas. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
other places in the world, they don't have a lot of food. Um, clothing's pretty solved, but shelter is just absolutely fucked, right? right? Like there's a billion and a half people on the planet that don't have adequate shelter. And even if you think about like this office I'm in, even the quote, well-designed spaces, yeah. one you're in, that we just think about them as being comfortable. Right. Nobody thinks about them as being absolutely delightful. And so it's one of the things we're trying to do in Jupe is provide like a level of delight within an experience. And so that's really the push the next level thing that uh, we're working on. Got it. Got it. So, you know, there's like a, there's a, there's a developing world version of this is kind of a developed world. And, you know, these are distinctions like whatever, but, you know, I, I think you understand what I'm, what I'm, I'm kind of getting at. And, you know, if we look at just America, right, you know, housing prices are up 30% year over year. Uh, it's just this bananas thing that it just keeps going up and up and up. You know, um, I think mortgages as a percentage of the loans bank give, banks give has quadrupled since 1980. You know, it's like this just, you know, housing just gets more and more expensive every year. And there's just kind of no end in sight. It's like, what are we going to do about this? Um, do you see, you know, Jupe as, 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 you know, taking some of the pressure off of that for, you know, Americans and, and people in, in the West where housing prices have just gotten completely out of control. Yeah, I think it needs to be a almost catastrophic, like leap off of the tracks. Yeah. So if you look at how we've been doing things, um, you know, there's this book, Sapiens. Have you yeah. read it? I have not. I trace, I trace this all the way back to this guy talks about how, a lot of what we have in the modern day that is painful actually um, came from when we first decided to settle down and sort of take care of this thing called wheat right. in about 12,000 years ago. And so what did we start doing? We stopped roaming. We started accumulating more possessions. We yeah. started putting up walls. We started um, you know, taking care of animals. I think the, the institution of marriage was probably invented around there. Um, um, all of these things since then, when you look at housing, it kind of evolved in not really that much of a different state. And in my opinion, a lot of that has to do with us arguing over a little postage stamp of land in these areas that have also evolved from that time, especially since industrial revolution called cities, to where it's one piece of land connected to a fixed grid, right, in one specific space, which you're tied to for 30 years. Right. Like what else is like this? Plus all of your wealth gets thrown into this, which it's not exactly a liquid asset. So if you look at all the progress, right, then of building technology, the biggest innovations in the last 50 years in housing and in construction are probably the nail gun, which may go back to the 30s or 40s, and the pre-assembled trust. Nothing That's else it. has really made a massive, you know, dent. I mean, there are other things like concrete pump trucks and things, but um, it hadn't changed the game. And so what I'm thinking about is we need to take almost a decentralized, right, viewpoint, as we are in many other things in the current right. day, right, towards housing. Why be connected to one piece of land and why... Um, you know, be tethered to this 30-year mortgage and this extremely harmful, mostly petrochemical-backed um, grid of yep. electrical and water, right? So 
Jupe wants to detach us, you know, cut that chain um, that, that ties us to a particular piece of land and um, sever the connections to the grid such that we've got a, a new way of living, right? Not a way of incrementally advancing the, the march of real estate as it's existed. I love that. Do, do you have any theorizing as, as to why housing has been so resistant to innovation? I do. I have a model for this. So let's take a leap in innovation around, let's call it electric vehicles, right? Let's yeah. take Tesla. So when you're building out a company like Tesla to completely make a quantum leap, right, off right. of fossil fuels, um, there are a couple of elements of things that I can talk about later. In some ways, uh, Jupe's kind of a combination of Tesla and Air Airbnb in its current incarnation. Um, but you have almost like a puzzle you're trying to solve for, right? Yeah. A, a single plane. And you're moving around different sort of subsets of that problem set, right? Which may largely be engineering, maybe some light regulatory stuff, supply chains. These, these things kind of exist, right? Yeah. And you can see them. When you're talking about housing, it becomes at least a Rubik's cube, right? And let me explain that. You're not just solving the puzzle for say construction technology. Oh, we've got 3D printing or we've got modular housing right. or we've got this new type of panel that integrates in electricity. You then, when you start to build a 3D printed home, you have to now look over here at the financing arm. Now a bank, Wells Fargo is going to say, I'm not going to finance that. I don't even know how a 3D printed home works. Then turn the corner again and you have a construction industry that doesn't understand it and the labor doesn't exist. Then turn the corner again and you have a different regulatory setup and coding and zoning setup in every set, single city. Palo Alto's is different from San Jose's, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then last, I'll turn one more corner, the fucking craziest one on the dark side of the moon, on the dark side of the Rubik's Cube. Elon doesn't have, when you park your Tesla in a driveway, the neighbor saying, hey, I not in that. my backyard. Right. I don't like the color of your Tesla. Therefore, I'm going to initiate a vote that says you can't park your Tesla in that driveway. <laughs> so you think about all of those things, plus... They talk about hardware being hard and atoms harder than bits. You're talking about the heaviest asset right. class that's also mired in forget about the mob and garbage, right? Disposal. You're talking about the oldest families and the oldest way to transfer wealth over generations. The way the Kushners transfer wealth is through real estate. So think about all of those fucking forces within the system. And it's why Jupe has said, we're going to design something light, nimble, and we're going deep into the forest to sort of build this army before we come back, right? So I'm not getting anywhere close to cities right now. Right. Um, we're going to go build, you know, we're going to go out uh, to the deep forests of New Zealand, figure out the the system and then come back and try to solve these problems in the cities if people even stay in cities right right that's a big question right you know with covid you know has this broken the back of the mega cities they're kind of monopoly on all these network effects and things and it's my belief i think it has to some extent 
Right. I mean, I'm in Austin. Um, Joe Rogan's here now. Elon's here. Um, and um, 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 uh, 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 what's his name? Friedman. Lex, Friedman. Um, Lex Friedman's here, yeah. right? Who else would you want to hang out with, right? <laughs> exactly. But those, those guys. The whole crew is here. So um, this Austin was, you know, uh, for a long time considered a second tier system yeah. and COVID broke that. Another thing that's unique between Austin and San Francisco, LA and New York, those cities are going to face a significant little problem when sea levels start rising, right? Right. And um, I don't know, we're maybe 300 feet above sea level or so here in Austin, so it'll be a little longer. But what are we going to do about housing? Are we going to just keep, you know, building walls and moving the housing in further? Or are we going to build a whole new decentralized kind of system? What Gary Tan, my main backer, um, coined as universal autonomous housing, which I think is a great term. I love that. That, 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 that's such a great term. Could, could you talk, uh, you know, just for the listener who might not have heard of Jupe, you know, and, and I guess they're, you know, probably walking their dog or something listening to the podcast. Uh, can you help visualize, yeah. you know, what a Jupe is and, and kind of what makes it special? Yeah. So um, Jupe is on first glance, a little spaceship. And actually I tell people, you know, it's actually a really good deal for us to land our spaceship on your property and we'll split the revenue. Right. So um, it was designed by industrial designers from places like Tesla and drone designers, not by architects as most structures traditionally are. And then the system by which we, we moved Jupe was inspired by the skateboard chassis at Rivian. So we flat packed down an entire volume of a house so that we don't ship air. So on the same truck that you might ship a one volumetric unit, we can, slit, we can ship 12 or 15 jupes to a site and then pop them up as living units in about an hour and a half each, completely off grid, right? So right now our MVP is just good for really one night of sleeping right. in this beautiful spaceship with Baltic birch floors and Trek lighting, and um, off-grid power, and we will build out the systems to eventually have a village on a truck, right, or a city on a ship, really. That is, it, it's super cool, and, and they look, they look There's awesome. one behind me, really if awesome. you are, yeah, if you do happen to want to go subscribe, smash that uh, <laughs> subscription button. Um, there is a picture of our bling unit above Los Angeles behind me that has, really looks spaceshipy, has all these LEDs and shit on it, so. It's very cool, it's very cool. Well, you know, Jeff, uh, how has the journey been so far, you know, building Jube? Has it been harder than you thought? Has it been easier than you thought about well, so I, I had one shit show hardware startup already. I'm hoping not to have another one. But even so, um, I'm going to just say anybody that's looking at starting um, a, a, a startup in one of the hardest to move the needle on industries, don't start it on April 1st, 2020, <laughs> at the very front end of a up and to the right thing called the pandemic. So that's added when building a physical product, an entire new thing to the mix. Um, we did try to solve for some things, though, that we didn't in our last startup. Um, 
that uh, by getting to revenue a lot quicker than yeah. maybe even the product was really ready and building a product where frankly we gave no fucks when we dropped these things the you know in los angeles and rented them initially it was completely illegal right <laughs> they're gone now anybody looking for our units i'm sorry they're gone right but um yeah, it's really difficult building a physical thing. And forget about a speaker you can hold in your hand, right? right. These things are eight and a half feet by 13 feet wide, and they weigh um, 1,100 pounds. So I think like we were really smart about getting these things into the world, getting users in them, asking the users what they thought, and selling a few at a margin. I think. Um, we had the most revenue of any of the 400 companies or so in the batch at Y Sweet. Combinator, right? Which, I mean, revenue that early is one thing. <laughs> Maybe that's not worth bragging about. But um, look, we were in the last batch of Y Combinator and we just started the company in April of 2020. So for getting a hard tech product to market, um, you know, I, th I think we did a pretty good job. So getting a product to market, you've got some margins on. If we sell 20 jupes right now a month, sell them, which we're not doing much anymore. Yeah. Um, we've got a new program. We're, uh, as Paul Graham would say, default alive. So that's very good. Um, that's good. A good place to be at. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it definitely it protects your downside and makes it gives you a lot more flexibility um right. what, what's the plan going forward you know like what's your strategy i don't know how much you want to talk about this you know like it's oftentimes good these heavy internal you but... know i i um th this is where all the comparisons probably end but i'll you know i think when elon was asked about this in an interview about hey what about all these you know tesla killers and electric car makers look I'm in the same situation. I want the problem solved. Right. That's right. I think important. I can do it better than anyone else. But if somebody else does it better, great. And, you know, there's also 1.5 billion people that need housing. <laughs> it's a pretty good market. It's a pretty big market. I don't think exactly. anyone's going to gobble it up. You know, if we get 1% the market uh, of, of the market, I think we're, you know, we'll have a, a, a market cap somewhere similar to like Apple, right? right. If we get 1%. So, I'd, I have no problem talking about that. Um, look, you know, we, we now have a unit that um, is good for one night, right? We're developing out our toilet prototype right now, which is, by the way, going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be mind-blowing. I won't show you that yet, but yeah. it will be the greatest experience that the bear shitting in the woods has ever had. <laughs> <laughs> i'll just put it that way um you probably have never shitted in a uh i'll just put it this way marble laden <laughs> toilet in the middle of the woods probably not um so what we've got to do is create that magical experience out a little bit at a time so right now you can stay one night Jupes are magical. I, I, I've had most people that stay there say it's the greatest night of sleep they've had in their life, right? Cool. And there are some design elements to that that I can talk about. But taking that delightful experience and moving it from one night to then two, having the greatest shit in the woods that you've ever had and maybe the greatest shit ever, um, <laughs> then moving to what does a weekend look like? 
you know, let's add an off-grid sauna to that. And then what does a week look like? Let's add Starlink and a Zoom yeah. room tube, right? To where you can actually do a podcast or a call yeah. like this. And then beginning to add kitchens, vertical gardens, right? Till pretty soon you do have an entire village that sets up anywhere on the planet, right? Um, with pretty good weather right now. We haven't yeah. weatherized them yet. Um, uh and uh, in a day, right? I mean, that is a pretty insane proposition. As we move forward, we wanna start developing a fleet of jupes that we then can deploy if there's a wildfire in paradise, right? Northern California, we can uh, pick up these jupes and get them in a day, thousands of them, right? To wildfire victims, place them in their backyards and allow them to watch as their house gets rebuilt, right? Um, pick them up and take them to Burning Man for a few days, then pick them up and take them to New Orleans for where a hurricane is hit, right? Like um, have a crypto conference in the you know middle of North Dakota in the summer um, on a raw, beautiful piece of land. So we, we want to move and then towards this model that Gary called universal autonomous housing to where we can provide a dynamic supply for, for living, a really delightful living experience to wherever the area of highest not need or highest sort of nightly rate is, and then begin to integrate in some serious tech from all the way to when Web1 was created to an NFT platform that we will now probably launch second quarter. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and do you see like, um, you know, kind of the development of Jupe kind of going like Tesla where, you know, you have the Roadster. And so you, you kind of hit the ultra top end first, you know, you kind of establish like some some kind of, um, you know, robust market there, big market share. And then you kind of move out a little bit and then it's like the Model S and then it's everybody who wants Absolutely. the series. And then... Like the, the market for um, our model, you know, our, our Roadster is a lot bigger than the Roadster market. Right. Right. Um, glamping is about a, a $5 billion industry and it's oh, wow. growing at 20%. So there's a billion dollars in value added every year. And the largest clamping company in the world is maybe has like four or 500 units. Oh, wow. That's it. Right. Wow. So it's completely fragmented. So it's a great roadster market and it allows us to begin to dial in um, that experience to that magic you feel in driving a, 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 a Tesla exists in no home environment right? You just, you, you don't get that in indoor environments. So that's what we want to leverage the tech into doing, not just through design, but to saying, this was not just kind of, you know, a cool designed Airbnb that I stayed in that was really comfortable. It was fucking awesome. Like it was right? a really good time. And we need to make fucking awesome experiences now and then translate that down to a model three with different business models. And I've always wanted to solve the big problem, but I was talking to the guy that, that, that um, started Architecture for Humanity. 
Um, cool. Won the TED Prize between Bono and Clinton for this. And talking to him early about Jupe, about wanting to solve these refugee crisis, crises and, and, and various things. And he said, you know, don't try to start there. Elon would be dead if he would have tried to start right. with the Model 3, right? Yeah. Um, you know, start with something. And I think he was then head of humanitarian efforts at Airbnb. Start with something that is more a roadster. Example, Exhibit A, there are 10,000 refugee shelters right now sitting in a warehouse outside of Stockholm. Oh, God. And that was Ikea's attempt, right, to solve that refugee, even with all of the logistics, flat packing, manufacturing, yeah. and just raw force of Ikea, yeah. they failed in their attempt to provide refugee housing, right? Yeah. A little startup building, you know, a wooden frame in a guy's, a SpaceX guy's garage in Hawthorne, you know, isn't going to be able to solve the refugee crisis with the same strategy. Right, right. Uh, that does make sense. Have you looked and like tried to diagnose like, you know, what, and it probably it's like a lot of different things, but like what went wrong with like the Ikea example? Do you know, is it just like, doesn't have real product well, market fit or something? Yeah. So, I mean, look, it was going back to that Rubik's cube, um, not, not solving and understanding some of the dynamics. I didn't even talk about the politics, right. Oh, yeah. Of that Rubik's cube. It ends up being a D and D gaming die right <laughs> in the end, like a 42 sided 42 is an excellent number, by yeah, the way. It, uh, you know, they had some safety issues that were called gotcha. out with the units uh, collapsing or maybe they caught on fire or something like this. And, um, you know, the, the, the political system that you enter when you're starting to work through the UN um, right. or you're starting to work through the WHO um, and then you're, you're literally just dead, right? How yep. are you going to go back reputationally after you've you know, had a couple of these um, incidents uh, with uh, folks that are already have had a pretty hard time and a pretty right. hard life. And that's what I want to give those folks dignity, right? Like not a mud floor right. and um, eighth inch um, uh, plastic, right? Yeah. Eighth or sixteenth of an inch plastic between them and the elements. Yep. I want them to have a, a not just a comfortable night of sleep, but why shouldn't they have a um, truly, um, I don't want to call it joyous, but a, 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 a truly um, exceptional and awesome night of sleep. Right. There's no reason that that shouldn't be accessible as well. Uh, do you have the sense that American houses are just too big? Do, do we just have too much of a preference for them? You know, you've lived in smaller yeah. spaces before. <laughs> you know, I am um, going to start the um, answer with an acknowledgement of my uh, living in small spaces. I lived in a 33-square-foot <laughs> uh, dumpster for a year um, that was six-foot by five-and-a-half-foot <laughs> footprint, and I'm one. So I still... Uh, my girlfriend uh, has told me that I, for some reason, turn diagonally in the middle of the night 
And we finally figured out was I was so used to sleeping diagonally in the dumpster that I have some sort of muscle memory from it. So, and then the last place that uh, I lived or the next place after that was a 350 square foot casita. And now I've designed a 111 foot uh, square foot, very comfortable uh, living structure in jupe. That, by the way, the jupes can be combined to create much larger structures, right? Gotcha. By the time you have eight jupes clicked together like Legos, you've got a thousand, you know, nearly thousand square foot structure. So, um, you know, uh, I don't like to get on a preachy pulpit about yeah. your house is too big, right? You can get in a lot of trouble there. But yeah, I think when you're talking about a efficiency of space i do think they're very inefficient in terms of you know using space uh the dining room is just probably (laughs) the most ridiculous right room in the house um that nobody ever goes to right right like anymore like it's 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 a remnant of the 50s when you know dad would come home (laughs) with his lunchbox at (laughs) five 13 every day yep. and the family would sit down for as we call it in texas supper yep <laughs> um you know uh and, and and then there are just weird things with uh how hallways are designed extra bedrooms um a lot of that space could just be used much more efficiently um and uh, in multiple kind of use cases, but let's just talk about inefficiency and in how the whole house is built, right? right. You know, um, it's really optimized for cost and labor efficiency, really, gotcha. right? Um, I have something called that I call the Home Depot parking lot test. And so if you've stick built a house, which means using normal two by fours, yeah. um, and you're putting up drywall and painting, um, you can go pick up a couple of guys in the Home Depot parking lot that yeah. can do a lot of those jobs, right? If you have, you know, you have these structural insulated panels or a 3D printed house or anything out of yeah. the ordinary that those three guys at, in the Home Depot parking lot can't understand or fix, you're going to run into a problem, right? It. And it's going to stop your whole construction process if you don't have the labor, some people don't show up that day. But literally everything from pouring the foundation and framing that up to putting the roof on unless it's a specialized trade those guys can do that right right and so that's another form of the kind of inefficiency of you know to to get back to your question it's not as much of the houses just being too big they're way too inefficient in every way got it got it. it's just like it's too expensive to deviate from the norm in these other ways it just gets yeah difficult. and i mean i'm literally sitting in an office with my co-founder from casita across the way he now builds single family homes uh here in uh austin he builds some of the biggest homes uh in in, in the city and he knows these same things i mean he was literally a co-founder of a prefab modular housing yeah. startup and we tried to change housing that way and, you know, ultimately couldn't move the needle and ran out of money. It's tough. It's a tough challenge. It's a very tough challenge. 
how much did Jupes cost to produce? I, I don't know if you can talk about that, but yeah, I can't talk about that a lot. I can talk about um, how efficient we are. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're able. So, Casita, my last startup, which was a typical modular housing startup that we built a factory house and shipped it out and dropped yeah. it in a backyard. Um, that took us about thirty days um, with probably fifteen people. Um, I can build a jupe in four hours with two wow. people. Wow. So um, and we will get more efficient than making cars at that. Eventually, my um, co-founder pushed an Escalade out the door at a factory every 57 seconds. So, <laughs> you know, when I'm talking this crazy talk about building hundreds of thousands or millions of homes, yeah, it's completely doable. And there's a complete market. It's right. It's it's getting between A and B. So we sold jupes um, anywhere from about twenty to twenty five thousand dollars, depending on the options. Gotcha. Um, we're no longer selling them. What we're doing now is looking at all this gorgeous land across the United States that is not used, and saying, "Do you have a piece of land? Great. Let's look at it. And if it's going to meet our sort of requirements, we will give you jupes." no cost up front and you essentially pay us a licensing fee um, and split the revenue. So um, that re uh, creates um, for the landowner, no upfront costs. Right. And maybe they don't even ever have to show up at their land, right? They just go onto our booking platform and it generates revenue. Um, and it's also great for us because it's more of a SaaS type revenue stream, right? right? We now have a recurring revenue stream for the seven years of that jupe. We're generating recurring revenue that's fairly predictable. It also gives us control over the product and brand, whereas part of that licensing program, you know, when the jupe starts getting old or when the Model S comes out, right? right we can go actually hot swap out your Roadster that's now five years old or three years old for the very latest 2022, right? Model S Plaid. And you go upgrade if you will. it. Yeah. That, that's really yeah, we'll good. Swap, we'll upgrade it again, no cost to the landowner. Um, and it also gives us the ability uh, to shift the fleet around, right? If your piece of land is really spiking in the summer in, 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 in Southern California, you know, there's another piece of land we have them on in um, North Dakota or in Montana, we can shift that fleet so that you can increase your revenue stream. It's completely dynamic. If the mayor of New Orleans then calls and says, I need 10,000 jupes down here, there's a hurricane coming in the Gulf. We yeah. can shift the fleet to meet his need, right? Very his, cool. he, he or her, his or her need. I, I, I love that. And, and that gives you a lot of modularity in like how you meet demand. Uh, you know, how, what does it take to get, you know, I, so you can flat pack them. You know, how many can you put on a, like a semi and then you need like a forklift to get them off? What does that process kind of look like? Yeah, it's um, also become very simple to ship a casita, a typical prefab unit uh, that we had across Austin. It required two big cranes to lift 40,000 pounds um, on both sides, get it onto a double drop low boy 18 wheeler with a specialized driver that required set 
shutting down streets. That was a process and it cost $15,000. I tried to shift in the right direction by an order of magnitude, every single process and the logistics and costs of a jupe relative to most of the other products out there. So we can get 12 jupes um, on and off a truck with a forklift and literally with one person. get them uh, across that same distance for not 15,000 unit, but about $150 a unit. Wow. So that efficiency, and eventually we'll have robotics that are able to load, unload, and maybe even pop these things up with a button to where an autonomous truck drive, you know, an autonomous truck could get these to a location. They could get on and off the truck with robotics and literally set up a hotel or maybe even a village with no humans, right? That's amazing. That's kind of fucking crazy to think about. But the technology is either all out there or on the roadmap right now to be able to do that. It, 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 it could be one of these things in technology where I don't, you probably know who said this, but it was something around either you know, the technology and science fiction, um, and I'm way, I'm not quoting anywhere near this. I'm probably butchering four or five, but the general concept is that the technology you might see in science, science fiction or one of these visions is either not going to ever happen or it's going to happen way, way faster than anybody ever expected, right? right. Um, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll never offload a jupe with a uh, drone and robot and set it up um, from somewhere in Nevada by pushing a button Um, or, uh, you know, or it will happen in the next couple of years. Uh, Yeah, that's so cool. I I really love that vision. Um, I've got a question and uh, it's been on the notice. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I, I yeah. love to ask this question to entrepreneurs because I, I get a you get a lot of information on this. You know, will you be successful with Jupe? It is a fantastic question, um, and very honestly, I don't know, but I do believe enough to work sixteen hour days every day for the rest of my life um, on it. And I think we have a team that believes in a similar fashion. There is no first principle prohibiting us from doing it. And generally when there is not a first principle that doesn't prohibit something, then it is doable. And I believe we can do it. Um, We have a team of people that have failures in their past. And I think it's really important. I actually like to hire folks that have gotten up brush themselves off and that have learned from those past failures and uh, uh, applied them to what we're trying to do now. So look, I mean, we have, um, we're default alive, as Paul Graham would say, right? By just uh, selling 20 jukes, we still sell 20 a month to cover our burn. Um, And we are going to do everything in our uh, power and, you know, in our ability to grind uh, to, to find the people to help us do that. That's the biggest question mark. Yeah. The biggest question mark in this whole thing is can I get the right people onto the train? Really? 
the funding, if we do that, we, we will get funded. We, we will continue to be funded. We will continue to build things out, but it, it will be about the talent ultimately. I, that, that, that's a really good answer. And yeah, you've, you've proven your you know capability to your default alive. You've got um, funding from, you know, top tier firm, initialized Gary Tan. Um, I, I'm curious what, you know, as, as much as I can help, you know, with my, my small podcast here, what are you looking for? Like, what, what are the skills you need? Um, you know, and what can we try and help source for you? So, you know, Jube can be successful on the talent side. Absolutely. The number one thing we're looking for right now is technical talent. Um, and at the top of that list, a CTO. Gotcha. And a CTO that understands software, but also understands integration into human experience, right? Into gotcha. the at atomic aspect of that. That's going to help us build that delight on the user side, but also things like robotics and self-driving cars. I mean, the folks I'm interviewing right now for that position have built VR type glasses, right? That integrate with uh, the, 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 the software needed to do that. They have um, built self-driving cars, right? They built drones. Um, so folks that either have a lot of interest in that and done that in a built teams, because that person and myself are then going to have to go out and find an absolute kick-ass team right. to execute, um, on this vision. And I would like to transition that, um, if it's okay, into the yeah. technology aspect of this, because people will look at it and say, this guy's got a tent, a lit up <laughs> tent. What the <laughs> fuck is case. he even thinking like of needing a CTO, right? Yeah. Well, if you think about Jupe, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual tent. It has to do with that chassis product underneath it that currently acts as a foundation and has some inverters and, you know, a little bit of IoT and a uh, bad, you know, uh, some batteries in it, some solar panels. Yeah. Um, it is an awesome experience for one night. Yeah. But we can't make it awesome for too much longer and, and, and delightful without technology. So you should be able to not only book into a jupe on an app, but show up at the site and have it detect your location and pulse when you're there. Right. As you approach the jupe, you should get a notification that the last time someone that was in that jupe was 14 hours ago. So you know somebody hadn't crept into it right there should yeah. be a locking mechanism on the in, uh, on the outside when you go in your spotify should click on automatically you should open up the fridge and the floor and find your dark chocolate peanut butter cups and japanese whiskey in the fridge that it knew you liked that's been delivered right you should lay down and have the right frequency of white noise come in right that the unit has learned that you appreciate. Maybe there's even haptics in the bed at some point yeah. that help you to sleep better that are tuned to you, right? Um, you should then eventually be able to drop a pen anywhere on the planet and, and select a date range for when you want to go there. Have your friends notified, right? Where, where have you always wanted to go? Well, oh man, probably like, uh, North Dakota, North Dakota. Really? Okay. Yeah, I've so never been to North is Dakota. It, is, it, is it Black Hills there? Yeah. Or is it South Dakota? Um, well, something like that. 
let's say you want to go to the Black Hills, right? Yeah. And you've been on the Juke platform for a while. You absolutely love it. There's bathrooms now and Zoom rooms connected to Starlink. You love it that your dark chocolate peanut butter cups are there every <laughs> exactly. time. And uh, so you say, you know what? I'm just going to drop a pin at the Black Hills uh, on the app, the Jupe app. And um, then I'm going to select 20 of my homies that I want to be there with me next July. Yeah. And um, let's say 10 of them accept. That triggers a back-end system where we go find the piece of land, right, from a landowner in that area, make them an offer of $1,000 for that month that they're going to earn and they have to do nothing but give us access to yeah. the land. Those jupes are deployed there. Maybe you say, I want a sauna, we want a hot tub, right? And we want a large, uh, you know, community room to be yeah. delivered as well. You get booked a ticket, an Uber from the airport, you show up, all your friends are there in a place that was raw prairie a That's couple really of days cool. before, right? So these are the kind of things that we need to enable that will all be enabled through technology. We're now working on things from the very earliest parts of the internet integrated in into NFT platforms of fractionalizing land and fractionalizing jupe assets, right? Such that we can form whole new ways of community through Web3 that have Very never cool. been imaginable or possible before. I know how to articulate that vision between where we are, a tent, yeah. and there, I know fuck all. <laughs> But I know I know fuck all. And I have Which some is very good, good people on our team that know how to evaluate the technology aspect of this and bringing in that CTO like Austin Allred, the founder yeah. of you know Lambda Schools, one of our investors, and yeah. you know, will undoubtedly help us sort of screen and and vet and find this person. Plus Gary Tan, who in my opinion is um you know, made the first bet on Coinbase and was one of the greatest seed investors Absolutely. Um, in the world. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. And that's, that's why we need a CTO and technology folks. Um, I, I think we got, rather than just an ad for a CTO there, we got some of the kind of vision out there on why we yeah, did that. Right? Absolutely. No, I, I think that, that that was really excellent. You know, I have some people in mind. I'll, I'll make sure I connect you with them. And um, if anyone's listening, you know, how should they connect with you? And, you know, they're like, um, I've got a skill set. I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at, uh, at Prof Dumpster, P-R-O-F Dumpster. Love it. Uh, I went by Professor Dumpster. I haven't been able to drop the Twitter handle. <laughs> um, also, my direct email is the letter J at jupe.com. Uh, um, there's also a lever form. I'd encourage people to go to the website and click careers because we talk about the crypto wallet that we give people at Jupe as part of their 401k. <laughs> we talk about the night, the train trip through the night uh, that you go out to this cool place called Marfa, Texas. Actually, um, Art Blocks, I think, just bought a house there. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, some of the other kind of cool things, you know, working with the team and the culture at Jupe that we're trying to make unique. Um, if you don't hit your OKRs quarterly, you sleep in a dumpster in the middle of the <laughs> desert and heat. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love um, so, yeah. Um, I should, uh, yeah, on top of that. So I should say how the name Jupe came up. Yes, absolutely. 
I'm curious. Um, because people actually, somebody just asked me in an interview earlier today, and it's kind of a funny story. Um, you know, the company was called Simple Structures, actually. Oh, cool. I think that and then Foundation. So Foundation was the, uh, when we applied to Y Combinator the first time, we were actually going to just make the foundation product oh, really? that the Jupe sits on, right? Foundations that were integrated with all the guts of the home. And it was a decent idea, but Y Combinator rejected it, um, which I don't think it was actually probably nearly as good an idea as Jupe. So um, when we got our first little round of funding uh, after this, we, we all went to dinner and my girlfriend at the time uh, said, hey guys, I've been thinking about something. Elon is kind of a lazy son of a bitch. And everybody kind of drops their forks and like, looks over. She like, goes, you, you know, like, guy really needs to like get a little bit more ambition. And we're like, interplanetary species, <laughs> putting cyborgs, chips and brains, yeah. and uh, bringing the world off of fossil fuels the guy's thinking pretty big and she yeah. said yeah i just think he could go a little bigger and we're like explain she said um you know if he went one more planet to jupiter he would probably get like a 400x on surface <laughs> area never mind it's a gas giant but like it's way bigger than mars he's kind of being lazy just going right, to mars exactly. right yeah, it's a bigger on. market out there she was like you guys should just name your company some ridiculous fucking silicon valley name like zooks or jewel or uber she said she just call it jupe <laughs> and we were awesome. like that is the most ridiculous thing ever no fucking way and we kept joking about it and then um i looked up jupe.com who yeah. owned it yeah and wrote the guy and said hey we're working on housing and he said you know what four letter spellable url this thing's yeah. worth 50 100 grand but i work on affordable housing too no way. i love what you guys are doing no so here is I don't know, we paid $5,000 or something no for way. it in the end. I said, <laughs> sign from the heavens, or at least from the yes, planets, from we are now Jupe. <laughs> I love that. That is such a great story. And I have actually then uh, a, a funny side story. I said, you know what? I'm going to calculate how lazy he is. And I have the receipt from uh, i can send you a picture of it from that night at the restaurant where i'm like drawing these radiuses and you know four pi r squared uh is the surface area of a planet it's like an order of magnitude off uh, but it is still bigger and elon uh according to my girlfriend will still call him lazy <laughs> I love it i love it i love that that is so cool that, yeah. that that's a great story that is a great story well um Jeff, you know, thank you so much for taking the time today. I, I really enjoyed talking to you about Jupe. Um, I, I think we hit where we want to send people, but is it, uh, is it jupe.com? Is that the place to go? Jupe.com or hit me up, j at jupe.com on email or uh, on Twitter at Prof Dumpster. Super. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Narratives.